G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. It's Thursday, so some more great insights today with Charles Newington in just a few moments from Family Voice Australia. We're going to be talking today about a resurgence of the drug culture in Australia. And we'll touch on where the government is at too in its direction uh, with freedom of speech and religious freedom legislation uh, that they're really workshopping and ready to introduce now. Focus on the family is around 90 minutes away, a segment today called Being the Hero Within You. And in the hour after focus, some encouragement for young people to participate in the 2019 Mission Australia Youth Survey. Now, what's so important about that? Well, it's the biggest youth survey in the country. Last year, they had something like 28,000 young people aged 15 to 19 years who took part. And they're hoping that this year's survey will be even bigger. Creates a wonderful snapshot for young people and for government and authorities and churches and all sorts of organizations that deal with young people. We're going to talk to the CEO of Mission Australia, James Toomey, about how they are giving young people a voice to let the nation know their biggest interests and their biggest concerns. Uh, Look forward to that conversation coming in the hour after Focus on the Family. Lots of good things ahead of us today. I hope you can stick around on this Thursday edition of 2020. Well, as we do on a Thursday, always love to catch up and just always absolutely appreciate the insights of Charles Newington, the National Director of Family Voice Australia. Charles is back with us today. Hi, Charles. Welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, everybody. Charles, let's touch on something which sometimes goes unattended, just the scale of the challenge that is ahead, uh, the resurgence of the drug culture in Australia. I mean, we talk about these sorts of things uh, by way of epidemics. Uh, What are your thoughts on things that are coming to light this week so far as a resurgence of the drug culture? Yes, thank you, Neil. I suppose some of us will have seen um, recently, this week actually, that there was a a picture in one of the newspapers about an X-ray picture of a a massive excavator. And inside the excavator, there were just packed all these packages of drugs. And so the excavator was just the container that was carrying this load of drugs being um, smuggled into the country. And we're constantly hearing, aren't we, of these uh, huge uh, shiploads of drugs that are coming in. And we wonder where they're being used. And uh, one of the ways in which they're being used is in the, in the music uh, festival culture. And uh, a, um, a criminologist, Professor Caitlin Hughes, she's been researching people that attend th- these massive festivals, uh, sort of a weekend of, um, of drugs and music, and they just go out into the country somewhere and thousands of people just dance all weekend. And uh, they did do that under the influence of drugs. So um, she interviewed uh, 439, uh, 430, uh, 400, 330, 
sorry, 400 to 300 people. I think you 4, mean 4,000. 400 people. <laughs> More than 4,000 people. That's a big number like of people. I'd be taking drugs, doesn't it? Or should be. Um, uh, she interviewed these young people, and she discovered that they were not um, the, the uni crowd, you know, or just the, 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 the uh, unemployed, but that uh, she discovered that most of them, in fact, were in full-time employment. They were well-educated. They were people of European uh, descent. And uh, 98% of them reported using illicit, illicit drugs in the past year. And she just looked at the pattern of drug use and in the party culture. And she found that, that only 6% of those people, just about everybody, in other words, that was going to these, uh, these events uh, was a drug user. Uh, but only 6% of them had actually been convicted uh, for drug use. And the, and the pattern is that, uh, that these people think about the, 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 that these events as, as kind of like a trip, you know, it's like going away um, to another plane, um, but it's not their regular habit. They, they don't come back and shoot up every day, as it were, or use drugs every day. They're, they're, it's a trip to another plane. It's not changing, changing countries and getting into the whole addiction model that sometimes we think the drugs represent. So it's and, almost for young people, they're taking time out of their regular existence in life. Yeah. And when they go to a dance party, say on a weekend, uh, this is an opportunity for them to actually participate in the drug fueled frenzy in that sense uh, because they feel as though the dance party is an escape and it's a safer place to take drugs. But clearly that can't be the case, Charles, because we keep hearing uh, fairly frequently about deaths of young people at these dance parties. So something's going amiss. Yes, one of the things that's going uh, amiss is that because these kids have come from, you know, sort of quite good homes type thing, they don't want a record of a conviction on their uh, uh, against their name. It, it'll affect their employment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they're unlikely to seek medical help if they do get crook at one of these events. So um, this is part of the part of the, <laughs> the weird problem here. Um, but the thing that I would like to draw uh, our attention to is the fact that people are doing this because their normal life is is kind of at, at such a pitch that they kind of feel they really need something to boost their sense of aliveness. And when it's fascinating when you think about all the the, the entertainment technology that is that's available today, all the music technology, the high powered film technology, the the super extreme experience opportunities that there are, the, the fact that all this is not satisfying people's appetite for something more, uh, and young people are still feeling that they need something that takes them to a, a, another place, as, as if the, you know, they've tried everything, but they're looking for some, something more. And uh, I think that's a fascinating, um, a, a fascinating observation, because we're not going to stop the drug culture as long as people feel like their ordinary life is just not satisfying them. Uh, interesting. So, Interesting to, yeah. dream, to bring into this because, Charles, let's just just open this up for a few moments because for those of us who attend a local church, you will oftentimes, and, you know, it doesn't perhaps happen every time, but, you know, I know that a lot of listeners will appreciate that when you are singing and having a praise and worship experience, there is oftentimes this appreciation of the transcendence and wonder of God 
the awesomeness of God and there is a spiritual experience in our act of worship. And, of course, it's not just singing, but, of course, the participation in, say, a communion service or the hearing of uh, someone who is opening up God's word and the experience of the Holy Spirit speaking. There's a spiritual experience. But this idea of a drug culture, it also has connections to spiritual experience. What are your thoughts yeah. on, on what people are pursuing by way of, of looking for that drug high spiritual exp- expression? Very much so. You know, in the study of, um, uh, of cultures and uh, the place of religion in, in cultures sort of globally, uh, the relationship between drugs and uh, and the kind of what we might call the the orgy or the the the, the kind of festival is is kind of well documented and uh, the great carnivales for instance of south america are the ones that we might commonly think of um as where people uh, all their inhibitions they put down as much of their inhibition as possible they strip down and dress up like you know like the the, the, the birds of the forest or whatever and they and they and they just sort of during that carnival they try to be as uninhibited as possible to escape as much as possible from the from the limitations of normal life and drugs and alcohol play a very important part a, a big part in helping to shift them uh, from this kind of normal state to an altered state, to a state of, of high consciousness, a high awareness where the music sounds just like something out of this world and the, and the colours are, are, are even more dramatic. And, and drugs like LSD were particularly focused on this uh, uh, to try to give people this feeling like they, they'd never seen colours like that and they never heard music like that because they had this altered state of high sensitivity. And uh, that was always a part of of, of religion, and um, of course, it was never a part of Christian religion because we recognise that it was only a substitute for what you've described is the is the ultimate high, which is the Most High God. You know, the God who brings us into a sense not only of Himself but of ourselves in relation to Him, and and so that the experience isn't just a, a temporary while while the the, the while we're encountering God, but there's a transference of the of the way in which He values the human being and values people, and and what's left with us is this abiding, uh, what what's called the you know the abiding spirit, the spirit that remains doesn't dissipate, but the spirit that we receive from God remains with us, that reassures us, it reassures us of our value to God and our, our sense of purpose uh, and, uh, and of, of the ultimate well-being um, of people who are in a right relationship with God. And, and the whole drug scene and all that uh, is just a substitute for that. And the tragedy is it doesn't last. They've got to pack up their tent and they've got to go home and they've got to come down from it and they've got to go back to that boring job and that mortgage or that um, high rental experience. Ultimately, that drug use is a deflating experience. But when we talk about what sort of relational connection and intimacy we might have with God, and I know that there'll be listeners saying that when they hear some songs on this radio station that they'll be having something of that sort of experience. And there is something that is enduring, uh, that breeds resilience, that gives that connection to the wonderful transcendent God and gives us that capacity to resist 
the draw card that some drugs might be to have a separation style experience and uh, good thoughts there today Charles just so appreciate you drawing attention to this challenging drug culture and I know that there'll be so many listeners who'll be concerned about people within their own family environment who are experimenting or indeed even hooked on uh, addicted to certain drugs and uh, there's a big challenge to try and get free from that of course the can alternative I, can i add one line sure. for this before we move on yes um, one of the things that uh, that's important for us you know jesus said that uh, the thief comes but to steal to kill and to destroy yeah. but he had come in order that we might have life to the full and in saying that he acknowledges that normal life isn't full life but that there isn't a missing dimension and that missing dimension is the dimension that comes to us when we submit fully to the purposes of God for our lives. And it's so important for people who confess faith in Christ and identify as Christians, particularly in their family life, is not to, allow, not to be satisfied with a shallow experience of God and a shallow experience of faith, but to press into who God really is and to what his purpose really is, so that the evidence of God's influence upon our life is fully evident to our children and to our neighbours, and they can see the difference. They don't see us trying to emulate them and trying to copy them and trying to fit in. They see us living out the full life that we receive in God, because that's what the young people and so many other people are looking for. Well, let's move on to the other idea. And of course, uh, when you talk about that topic we've been talking about, this idea of a living in a deflated life, a life which really uh, ultimately ends in despair, uh, this yeah. need that we have for Almighty God to be a part of our very existence, to give us meaning and purpose. Well, this brings us around to a topic we've been talking about a lot, Charles, and this is the idea of uh, the legislation the government's dealing with right now freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and our opportunity to continue to bring this uh, message of life into the environment here in Australia. You've been following along how the government is preparing its legislation. They're going to be presenting that to the parliament very soon. Uh, what are your thoughts on the, de the latest developments? How do things look? Yeah, well, they, they look very complicated and, um, and drawn out. Um, initially, what they plan to do is they, they plan to bringing up three pieces of legislation. One that uh, protects religion and makes it a protected attribute, but they use this language, a protected attribute like race, sexual orientation, gender or disability. So you cannot discriminate against a person on the basis of their race, their sexuality, etc. And neither will people be able to discriminate uh, uh, on the basis of a person's religion. Um, then they have another piece of legislation which, um, which brings all the other laws into, into line with that. And then they have a third piece of legislation that establishes a position of a freedom of religion commissioner in the Australian Human Rights Commission. And their task will be to make sure that in cases of competing rights, where you know, people of competing rights, whether it's of colour and religion or whatever, or sexuality and religion, that, they, that their job would be to try to make sure that this matter is dealt with fairly and evenly. Um, there are lots of things that are not resolved in this uh, in this approach, and, and the government recognises that and and has put a lot of stuff, complicated stuff, across to the uh, Australian um, Law Reform Commission in order to sort that through, and, and that's not going to come to to uh, to the to the Parliament till next year sometime. But the key thing that's being mentioned here by by Christians that are in this uh, in this mix is that religious leaders uh, are, are making the point to government uh, that um, that they don't really want this uh, debate 
framed in terms of discrimination. And, and they cite the fact that we live in a multi-religious and multicultural society where, for instance, there's vast differences theologically between, say, a Hindu position and a Christian position or a Muslim position and a Buddhist position. There's vast differences. And for centuries, we've learned to, to sort of wrestle through with those differences and to recognize that the, the difference is not discrimination in that sense. Even though it does discriminate, when it comes to matters of faith, these are matters of, of conscience. These are matters of conviction about a society. They're not intentionally wanting to necessarily devalue the, opposite, the, uh, the other people and make them un inhuman. They're saying they're making a positive statement about their religion. And that's what Christians are saying. They're saying we don't want this always framed as if we're the weirdos, you know, we're the little weirdos that are asking for something ridiculous and, 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 and we're looking for some special service. We're saying... Most people in the world are people of faith to some degree or other. It's normal to be a person of faith, and this need, faith needs to be treated as a normal thing, not as an issue of discrimination, but as an issue of difference. And we have to learn that as a society, that difference of opinion is not uh, discrimination. It mustn't be treated as insult or, or offensive speech. It must be just treated as free speech, people talking about their sense of difference. And Charles, I imagine that it is such an important thing to realise that whatever the federal government does, it also has to then fit in uh, with what state governments might determine about uh, these different aspects of religious freedom. And uh, given that there are different ideologies that run different governments, that could all be over the all over the place as well. But uh, this is an important consideration, isn't it? Because whatever the, the federal government comes up with, it won't actually have uh, an overriding bearing on what the states do. No, that's true. This, um, the, the whatever the, the Commonwealth government decides, it's that law simply uh, they can't make a law that simply requires all states and territories to conform to their legislation. They've got this comp complex balancing act of of how to do that, and uh, so we just have to recognise that this is going to be around for a lot longer than we would like it to be. It's 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 a long conversation, and we're all going to be heartily sick of it by the time. Um, you know, the, fast, the last uh, uh, full stop is written on the last piece of legislation. Well, I've been talking about the long process that is ahead uh, being an opportunity for Christian believers to engage in conversations about this. And uh, you never know what will come from those conversations. Uh, look forward That's to true. opportunities. Charles Newington, always so appreciate your insights. Uh, National Director, Family Voice Australia. Appoint people to the website familyvoice.org.au and you'll find resources there. You'll find articles there that give real insight, real Christian, biblical, insight into some of the challenges the nation is facing familyvoice.org.au Charles thanks so much for joining us once again today on 2020 thank you Neil before you go thanks for listening there's lots more great audio on demand or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au and remember vision is listener supported your donation large or small will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.